2: Folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick here for this week's Know Your Foe episode regarding the Detroit Lions and the Ravens matchup there on Sunday. We finally get a Sunday one PM game. And joining me here to talk about it is our good friend Tage Seth. Tage, how you doing?
3: Good. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm excited to talk about
2: the Lions Ravens game this Sunday. Yeah, so, Tage, uh, give you a little bit of background. PFF intern, going to f- certainly be working in the NFL uh, at at some point if he if he doesn't get stolen away by finance or some other <laughs> industry to do a lot of a lot of good work. But uh, but certainly has all the track to be in the NFL as a PFF intern uh, this summer in their R and D department. Great place to work, and and does a great job of explaining things very well. So I like having him on the show to explain new metrics from PFF or new charts of his own that he does. But uh, appreciate the the, the friendship. To the show you've shown, Tage, and we'd love to have you on more. Course after this one, yeah, thanks. Yeah, I love coming on. It's always great to talk to you, Ken. Well, thanks, Tage. So let's let's, the Lions. We'll talk about a little bit here. Let's start by um, the off season this year. Obviously, the big trade will start there, but also the other moves they made, the draft, and whatnot. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, so uh, Lions, this is probably one of the busiest off seasons I've had following them as a fan, Um, especially just with the Matthew Stafford trade at the very beginning of the off season. You know, Stafford's a quarterback who has played uh, basically every game for the Lions since 2011. I think he was playing 138 in a row until his injury in 2019 and then played the whole 2020 season. So having a new quarterback in there has been interesting. I don't think fans have like fully gotten used to not having Stafford under center. So that, that
2: definitely was the, the biggest move. So is, uh, Stafford obviously has been a good quarterback for a not-so-good team for a while. Uh, is, is he a player that, that is very polarizing, or do most Detroit Lions fans just love him and, and worry about the rest of the team?
3: Yeah, it was it was a lot of that where Stafford was representative of the community with his toughness, his hard work that he put in um, on and off the field. So a lot of fans gravitated to him because of that. But, you know, in Detroit, he always had his doubters because of the fact that they didn't win many football games with him as quarterback. Uh,
2: All right. I mean, I do remember something from Stafford's rookie year, which was just one of the ultimate toughness things. But he left the field with, like, five seconds to go or something in a game. And because he came out due to injury, he couldn't go back in. And then there was a timeout called by the opponents, I believe, or it might have been the Lions. And he suddenly realized the timeout had been called. And, you know, he's mic'd up and he's and He's, talk, he's, he's you know, moaning, basically. Mm-hmm. And he goes, wait a minute, was that a timeout? And he runs back right on the field. And yeah. through <laughs> the game-winning touchdown.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the type of stuff where, like, you, you see that, you know, live when you're watching Stafford's rookie year. And you're like, wow, okay, like, how can you not root for someone like this that that wants to throw you know a game-winning touchdown pass? When his team, his team was like two and nine at the time, so like it wasn't like they were fighting for a playoff race or anything.
2: But yeah, very impressive stuff there. Yeah. All right. So Jared Goff is the new guy. So what what is the initial take on Jared Goff?
3: So the initial take on Jared Goff is that I think he's fine. Like when when things are going right for Jared Goff, he's going to be an average quarterback, right? So if you look at if you look at Jared Goff. Uh, he's average in advanced statistics or just watching him when the pocket is clean, but he's not good under pressure, which is one of the reasons why McVay wanted to trade him. And then he, you know, he's, he's average when he's doing play action and stuff like that and like stuff that can help a quarterback, but on standard dropbacks, he's below average there. So when, when things are going right for Jared Goff, He's going to be able to move the ball with some weapons and and stuff like that. But he's not a type of quarterback that can really carry a team and move them up to an elite level like some other guys in
2: the league. Alright, so uh, the Ravens had a good experience with Jared Goff in 2019, they, they as Eric Weddle said, peeled their faces off when they, when they went out to LA to play the Rams, mm-hmm. and Goff's jitteriness was a big part of that and uh, uh, his inability to really uh, pass well under pressure when moved off the spot, is that something you'd expect to see from the Ravens to try and do, to go Been very light on scheme, particularly this last week against, against Mahomes, but, but go back to more scheme to get after him?
3: Yeah, I think the Ravens are almost like the perfect matchup for stopping golf. Like golf does really well against a lot of uh, odd coverages when there's like a single safety. But the Ravens use cover w- or cover zero uh, when no safeties. You know, almost more than anyone in the league, other than I think Belichick. So that's that's a good way to stop golf is by by. Uh, playing cover zero, like keep keeping everything short, because that's where he likes to throw. And then another thing is, yeah, like bringing pressure, which is what the Ravens do so well, and they're so aggressive with it, is really something that I think could throw him off his game.
2: All right. Uh, how about other moves this offseason? Uh, who did the Lions acquire that's, that's exciting? I know uh, Levi Zerke was somebody that I liked in the draft. Uh, tell us about him, about other acquisitions. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, Levi, uh, you know, second-round pick, Uh, they're trying to build the defensive line out and so he had an injury for most of training camp and wasn't really get wasn't really able to get acclimated with the team so he only played a couple snaps against the Packers uh, this past Monday night but Aleem McNeil is the third round pick who's also a defensive tackle and he's the one that is actually getting people in Detroit excited about him Um, he's 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 had an ability right now to clog gaps and to uh, to kind of create pressure and stuff like that.
2: Another guy I absolutely loved going into the draft, NC or NC State, I forget, but anyway, he's he's a uh, very big body there who does a good job clogging up and and uh, and absorbing blocks. And the Ravens' defensive line is way too old. I mean, it's a it's a real <laughs> risk they took to not take a defensive lineman in this draft. Uh, they ended up drafting a fullback with a fifth round pick when Kyristic. Uh, Kiiris Tonga of BYU and other guys were still on the board, including developmental left tackles. But I thought the, the, the overlooking the defensive line in particular was, was one of the real mistakes. And Detroit ended up getting two great guys. I mean, owner Zerke is a, is kind of like a meta clone in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. very similar size and quickness. Uh, very, very fast off the snap guys. I, 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 you know, so owner ZK, I know Michael Crawford probably likes him even better than I do local analyst here, but, uh, but I liked him too. Mm-hmm.
3: yeah yeah very excited to see him play we'll we'll definitely see him with more snaps this week so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out has he been pretty much used as a three tech so far this year mm-hmm. yeah and then mcneil is kind of like a one tech zero tech type, yeah. type player yeah
2: all right perfect no definitely i'm I'm jealous of the draft picks already in terms of who you got though we're happy with OA so far let's talk about key injuries right now jeffrey akuda i know got injured in week one is he still out Mm-hmm. Yeah, Akuda will be out basically the whole year with a torn Achilles. Okay, mm-hmm. that's a big loss, unfortunately. He had kind of a tough year as a rookie, didn't he? In coverage, but uh, uh, but this was you know probably would have been a step forward, much like Patrick Queen. You know, you'd expect a guy mm-hmm. to take a step forward after not having that off season the first year.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there were there were reports coming out of camp that Akuda was playing with more confidence this year. Uh, definitely an easier scheme to play corner in. Um, you know, like under under Matt Patricia's heavy man, like cover one scheme, uh, I think Akuto was, was really struggling with that. So with his new scheme, he was supposed to take the next step forward. So it, it really stinks that
2: he's not able to play this year. Yeah, it's it's always a bummer to lose any player on the first contract for any period. But, mm-hmm. you know, the number three overall draft pick when that's what you got is lines. You got draft capital and you got to you got to convert that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bummer. How about the long run cap situation? I know they, they probably, uh, you know, they, they, in trading these two contracts effectively, do they pick up cap or did they, did they actually drop some cap?
3: So the really weird thing with the Stafford golf trade is that both teams are kind of paying half of the current quarterbacks contract that are that's on their roster and like half of the uh, other quarterbacks that they traded away. So, but the Lions took on a lot of dead cap to uh, make this trade possible. Um, it can be theorized that one of the two first round picks that the Rams sent the lions in that trade was just to take on Jared Goff's like dead cap money because there's so much of it. Um, So, you know, he has, he has, uh, he has to play next year for the lions basically because of the dead cap in in 2022. But in 2023, there's a potential out where they only have to eat 10 million dead cap and they can kind of cut him or trade him or something like that and uh, start looking for a new quarterback.
2: Is that like a post June one cut where they take ten and ten in consecutive years, or is it a is it a uh, they get rid of the entire thing for ten million in one year? Because that wouldn't be too bad. Yeah, it would just be ten million for one year. Okay, yeah. I mean, hey, getting rid of your franchise quarterback costs money, and mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's that. Doesn't seem like too expensive, honestly. Mm-hmm. All right, outstanding stuff. Key contract situations. How about players that are coming up on their third, fourth year? Who do the Lions really need to get re-signed right now?
3: Yeah, I mean the the team is pretty young, so there's no really. Um, like veteran players, that I think they need to get re-signed, but TJ Hawkinson is definitely, I think, the main focus. Um, so, like his, you know, his rookie contract is going to be done in 2023 if they pick up the fifth-year option, which they probably will, uh, given his level of tight end play. So, I think he should be a priority to get re-signed
2: long-term. Okay, so the Ravens start off the season with Darren Waller, and. Las Vegas, I can't have wanted to say Oakland, but Las Vegas threw 19 passes mm-hmm. to him in that game. And, and uh, uh, then they then, of course, they get Kelsey in week two. And Kelsey ran all over him, yeah. missed, missed tackle fest on the 46 yard touchdown, uh, made their inside linebackers, frankly, look really silly. Mm-hmm. Um, that being the weakness of the Ravens really looking at their inside linebacker coverage ability. Is that something you're maybe expecting the Lions to try and take advantage of?
3: Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, if the Lions have a chance in this game to keep it close, it would be for TJ Hawkinson to have like 100 yards or something like that. Um, you know, he's he's definitely the best weapon on the offense. If you watch that Monday night game last week with uh, the Lions went for a fourth and one, Dan Campbell said in his press conference, the first read for Jared Goff on that play was to look and make sure TJ Hawkinson was on a single coverage, and if he was, you would throw it to him, like no mm-hmm. matter what, but the Packers double covered him, so Goff had to go elsewhere. So Hawkinson should be the focal point in the offense he 's a good run blocker and he's great pass catcher and, and really good with the ball in his hand.
2: all right, we definitely want to want to talk a little bit about these guys let 's move over to the offense. Uh, well, you talked a little bit about Jared Goff's strengths and weaknesses, and so moving him off the spot seems to be the same. Mm-hmm. What what is Jared Goff? become when he gets moved off the spot now the, the, the reason the, the way the question i'm asking i think is that baker mayfield collinsworth had a great way to describe the way he throws when he's a little jittery is that he starts throwing fadeaway jumpers and and it's just it's it was such a perfect way because it shows exactly what he's what does jared goff do does he get rid of the ball too quickly does he get less accurate does he does he you know crouch up and and take too many sacks i mean what what what's the problem with it
3: yeah, it's. I think it's kind of like a deer at headlight situation where if the first read isn't there and you know the pocket is starting to break down, he's going to panic a little bit. His foot, his feet work are going to get uh, uh, like a little bit slippery, like they're not going to be mechanically sound. And so the the types of balls that he's going to throw aren't going to be perfect spirals, and he might miss receivers that are open and stuff like that.
2: Okay. All right, outstanding stuff. Um, let's talk about the offensive line a little bit and just take us through from left to right. Uh, current state of the offensive line, I'm sure it can't be any worse than the Ravens. So <laughs> let's hear it.
3: Mm-hmm. So yeah, so coming into this season, uh, Taylor Decker, who you know got a contract extension last offseason, is a cornerstone franchise left tackle, a great pass blocker. He's He's been put on IR. So uh, Penny Sewell, the Lions' first-round draft pick out of Oregon, got moved back to his natural position that he played in college because he originally was going to play right tackle for the Lions. Now he's back at left tackle. um, And he's, you know, he's, he's doing really well there. Like he's, he hasn't allowed a sack uh, this, this season so far. He's, he's transitioned very nicely. And, um, and I, I, you know, I, I really have had no
2: complaints about him at left guard. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I, well, I, I did have a question about Sewell since he's mm-hmm. since he's such a big deal, the seventh overall selection. Um, did he, what sort of pressures did he give up against San Francisco? And I'm seeing uh, PFF as him for six. But I'm, I, I, can you tell me was he more of a giving ground to mirror? Was he more of a trying to use his length effectively to get people you know south of the pocket? Mm-hmm. What, what's what's his style as a as a pass blocker? <laughs>
3: Yeah, I mean, the six pressures is a little bit misleading because the Lions threw 70 passes in that game, so okay. it was it was a lot of pass-blocking reps for him, and, you know, going up against a Bosa is, is always tough, so, yeah, it, it was, it is the type of stuff where he doesn't get, like, beat completely, his, his, uh, his hands are good enough to kind of slow it down, but sometimes he just gets beat, either, like, outside or slightly inside, Um and he was doing that a lot in the preseason at right tackle, but
2: now it's a lot better at left tackle. So he'll he'll probably see two things, I would guess, from the Ravens. One is that they, Odafe Owe will probably try and get him on an island wide and initiate that first move to try and get him to overreact to it, because we've seen that now from Owe for the first two weeks, which we're loving, by the way, mm-hmm. here in Baltimore. But But the other thing is you can count on the left B gap probably being peppered I'm assuming we're going to talk about the guard in a moment uh, for blitz opportunities and stunt opportunities. Mm-hmm. Is, is that something has Sewell exchanged assignments well and has he reacted well on an island?
3: Yeah, that that hasn't happened
2: too much in the uh,
3: first world game, like or first two games. The the stunts and stuff like that. Green Bay was pretty vanilla with their defensive scheme. Mm-hmm. Uh, on Monday, but on Island, I think he's done really well so far. Um, so this will be a good test for him going up against Owe who who was big at that Sunday night
2: game. Who did, did he face a lot of uh, uh, Zaydaria Smith for the Packers, or who did he face?
3: Well, zadaria Smith is out with injury, so it was
2: um, it was you
3: know it was a little bit of Vershawn Gary and um, and stuff like that, and and they yeah they weren't really bringing their linebackers that
2: often. Okay. All right. Well, fair enough. Uh, Let's move over to left guard.
3: Yeah. Left guard is Jonah Jackson, who was a third round pick out of Ohio State um, two drafts ago. So last year he played his rookie year and Mm -hmm. he was he was pretty good his rookie year. Like he's not going to be an elite left guard uh, in the NFL, um, but. He he's he's good enough. He's he struggled a little bit more this season, but again, like that first game was kinda weird and then he played a little bit better uh against the Packers. But that's definitely an area
2: to attack the Lions as as left guard, I think. Yeah. I, I, Jackson, I really liked coming out of Ohio state. I, I did think he was probably more of a run blocking mm-hmm. uh, asset than a pass blocking asset. So I, I assume that's turned out to be true. Yes. Yeah, definitely true. Mm-hmm. All right. And uh, what does he give you in the run blocking game as opposed to good, good power, good ability to move people?
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's the theme of the Lions offensive line is just good, you know, athletic athletes, like, they're, they're able to all do stuff like get down the field uh, on run blocking snaps and, and stuff like that. So it's, it's really impressive to watch,
2: actually. All right. All right. Very cool. So center, let's move on.
3: Frank Ragnow, I think, is, has an argument for the best center in football. Um, he's, you know, he's he's very good pass blocker, but he, again, he excels in the run game. Uh, the way he is able to move down the field quickly to get to the second level and a uh, black linebacker is there, and he's good with power, too. Like, he can maul people over uh, if asked. Um, last year, one of my favorite things to watch for the Lions was when, um, you know, he, he played uh, the Falcons, and it was, it was one of his best games of, of the season. Um, and, and, you know, the Falcons have a good interior defensive line, so that, that was really interesting to watch, and, and he did really well
2: that game, too. So Ragnar been already re-signed for a second contract? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, the main thing about the offensive line is all, like, five starters, um, once Decker comes back and, and Sewell moves back over, is is they're signed for the next three years. Um, oh, either that's under a rookie great contract. Continuity. Yeah, yeah oh, so that, that, that's really exciting when you think about the rebuild and stuff like that. All
2: right, let's move over to right guard then.
3: Mm-hmm. Right guard is definitely the weakest uh, part. Of the offensive line, it's um, it's Vitae from the uh, from the Eagles. They they signed him to play tackle, um, and I think he was he was too big for tackle, so he got he kind of got moved inside to guard uh, after being really really bad in 2020, and then again this year he hasn't really shown much of being good. So like it's it's a big contract that's kind of sitting on the books, um, and they'll they'll probably have to figure out some type of solution for right guard but uh right now it's it's definitely not worth the money the Lions paid him that's that's interesting so he was he was signed for
2: how many years and for what kind of contract he was um i believe it was it was 60 million for 4 years jesus that really yeah. shows you how difficult it is to find tackles in this mm-hmm. league mm-hmm. i mean okay so this is second year with detroit so presumably it's getting a little bit cheaper to get out of that contract probably in year 3 but still might have to spread it over two years
3: yes yeah probably yeah. um Oh, sorry. It was it was five years, uh, forty five million actually. So not as bad as, as the four years, but still a lot. Um, still, yeah, still a lot for you know a tackle who's now moved to guard and isn't even that good at uh,
2: at playing guard. So all right, that's that's interesting. So the the Ravens they didn't play the Eagles. They played the Eagles in twenty twenty after Vitae was already gone, and they had a they had another guy who was uh, who was even worse playing guard uh, uh, <laughs> there. Then Jermyn Brown, I want to say was his mm-hmm. name. He's been around the league since. All right, so uh Vitae at right guard. So this is looking certainly looking like opportunities for the Ravens to get back into scheme generated pass rush as opposed to uh you know what they did with these four man rushes against the Chiefs which is you know I I don't think people criticize I think people understand that Mahomes will eat you alive if you blitz but then you look at the other side of that and Mahomes threw for 11.1 yards per pass attempt. So mm-hmm. that's not getting it done either. So be a good yeah. Hopefully, a, a game where the Ravens can, can can get back to some of what Martindale usually likes to do mm-hmm. at right tackle. Used to be Ricky Wagner, of course. He's still out there as a free agent right now.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Wagner uh, was a very exciting free agent when he was signed, but didn't live up to the expectations, uh, which happens often, uh, or happened often in the Matt Patricia era, I guess. Um, so now it's 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 Matt Nelson. Um, so he's you know again he's he was supposed to be the backup tackle. Ending this season, but when Decker went down, uh, Sue will switch from right to left tackle, and then Matt Nelson's kind of filled in. So he's just kind of a stopgap. Right side of the offensive line is weak right now. He's, he's not particularly good, and we haven't really seen much of him, but we can assume that um, he's not going like, to shut down anyone or anything.
2: Okay, UD- UDFA player there, Nelson, so at least they're doing it cheap. If you're not going to do it good, mm-hmm. you better do it cheap. That's, Ravens have Patrick McCary right now at, at right tackle, which mm-hmm. is uh, along those same lines, frankly, of, of although he played very well on, Monday, on Sunday night. All right, uh, we're talking about the Lions here. Let's get back to it. So uh, how about we talk about the receiving core now uh, and kind of take me through roles and responsibilities among those guys.
3: Yeah, the receiving core is pretty uh, barren. Um, considering the losses of, of Kenny Galladay, who the Ravens were interested in, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly, and then Marvin Jones, um, who, who were, were good wide receivers for the Lions for a couple of years. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough right now to look at this receiving core and be excited about them. So Quintez Cifas is probably the wide receiver one on the team. Um, he's, not, he's not fast at all. Uh, coming out of college, he got a lot of comps to Anquan Bolden. So he's kind, of, he's kind of a slower receiver, but he's just good with his body and good with contested catches. And we saw that um, with his first touchdown against the Packers on Monday night where he wasn't like super open, but he kind of just positioned himself in the end zone to catch that ball.
2: Okay, so I'm trying to find his targets here uh, for these couple of games. Uh, okay, he's been targeted 13 times so far this season mm-hmm. for 75 yards. Okay. All right, so yeah, um, is he a Yak player? Is he a guy who, who can do something exciting after the catch? No, I, I,
3: he's not the Yak player. The, the Yak wide receiver, I'd say, is Amon Ross Saint Brown, the rookie from USC. Um, mm-hmm. He's he's very similar to Juju, and where I think they're they're like kind of good as all around receivers. They're not like especially elite at anything. Um, so if the Ravens have experience, you know, a lot of experience preparing to defend Juju. Uh, they should be. They should see someone pretty similar in St.
2: Brown. Okay, wouldn't say they've really had a lot of success against Juju, but they, they, you know, they have to face him from time to time. Uh, and they, you see, he's looks like he's gotten a reasonable target share, but it's not like they're throwing to him every down either. With eight targets in two games.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: All right, who else, take us through the rest of the receivers while we're here? Yeah, so
3: Tyrell Williams was supposed to be like the the burner, but he's also on injury. Um, so then a lot of the targets are going to just Hawkinson and, and DeAndre Swift, um, you know, DeAndre Swift coming out of the backfield. The Lions are using some 20 personnel with Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift. So, huh. uh, that, yeah, that's that's been interesting, too. So cause Swift is Swift is really good as a receiving
2: back also. Okay, 20 personnel folks out there is the is pony backfield. It's two two pure running backs right not a mm-hmm. not a not a running back and a fullback you're talking about. Yes, yeah, two pure. Or yeah, I mean or they have a fullback in there too sometimes too. Okay, but when they when they have a fullback in is it usually 21 or are they doing some 20 with a fullback yeah. a running back and three wide receivers because that would be kind of weird. Yeah, it's 21 usually. Yeah. All right, tell me about Trinity Benson. I haven't
3: yeah I haven't really
2: seen much of Trinity
3: Benson yet uh you know he he just got here but he I know he was someone that that they they really wanted on the roster they thought that he had some potential so um hopefully hopefully we see more of him as as the season goes on okay all right fair enough uh any other wide receivers you want to talk about at all yeah, that's those are those are definitely the main ones. Yeah, it's it's a lot of Hawkinson and Swift, and then Cephas uh, will get mixed in there too.
2: All right, all right. So uh, if if we go with with after Hawkinson, let's talk about the other tight ends on the team, maybe. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. So uh, Brandon Fells is is the other tight end. or sorry, Darren Fells is the other tight end well. on the team. Yeah. So you know he's just he you know he hasn't played that much. I think he's only gotten targeted once this year. Um, but he's just he's just someone that like big to have around where he can stay in line and block if
2: Hawkinson is going to run out if they're in twelve personnel or something like that. Pretty good run blocker. He's he's the kind of guy who always has a job around this league, and he spent time in Cleveland and Houston, the Ravens, know him from both of those places probably best. Um, but but a guy who uh, pretty much will always have a job at six seven two seventy, even though he's now pushing. I guess he might be thirty five years old now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is getting up there. Yeah, for sure. All right, all right. So uh, okay, let's let's move to the running back position. Then talk about that.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So talked about this a little bit earlier, but DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams are basically going to split carries. Um, they they really liked De, uh, Jamal Williams's energy that that he brings to the team. Um, that's definitely been the new like theme of the of the Brad Holmes uh Dan Campbell era Detroit is just having good personalities in the locker room because that didn't happen uh with Patricia so they're going to split carries Uh, Swift has 20 carries on the year Jamal Williams has 16 so it's very similar um very similar running backs or running back workloads but different types of play styles too like Swift is very shifty. He's kind of more rubbery than Williams is, while, while Williams will um, kind of run up the middle more like inside zone type of stuff uh, and just try to churn
2: out yards. And Swift is last year's number two pick mm-hmm. and pretty high number two. Um, but, but did, is, is he a guy that you would have in on third down or is he really more of a first and second down running down kind of player?
3: yeah he's i mean he can i think he's a good all-around back but right now how they're they're doing it is is kind of williams is like mainly the first down running back and then from there they're kind of splitting carries and stuff like that
2: all right all right very good um let's see what do we not hit on the offense here i need to go back to my uh outline here uh yeah, okay you mentioned the 20 personnel being something so that's always kind of cool because the ravens uh have tried some things with two running backs to so some mm-hmm. some pony mm-hmm. uh, almost always with additional inline players so it might be 21 or 22 21, yeah. with a pony yeah mm-hmm. um what other common plays and formations do they use that not a lot of other teams do
3: mm-hmm. yeah so they, they again they're using a lot of 12 personnel and they really like to run out of 12 personnel um they they had uh, they even had one play against the 49ers where they was it was they brought in an additional offensive lineman, so they had six offensive linemen plus the two tight ends. It was mm-hmm. fourth and two against the 49ers, so it was a pretty strong tell that they were going to run the ball, uh, considering all the all the meat that they had in there. And then they ran it and they got stopped. Um, so <laughs> so that that's why that's why on the fourth and one against the Packers, they they had passed because I think they're a little bit scarred uh, based on you know running it on on the other fourth down call uh,
2: on on that three tight end play effectively cuz you got six line is also a tight end did it was everybody in line or did they have a tight end in the backfield or what did they do
3: yeah it was in line and i think it was blocked fine but uh jamal williams kind of tripped a little bit and you know as he was getting back up that that's when the defensive lineman uh broke through and and stuffed him
2: gotcha okay Uh, Let's move over to the defensive side of the ball then. So the thing I always like to talk about, because these guests on this, on the Know Your Foe segment is so good. And I know you, Tej, this is a specialty of yours, is what are the most common base pass defense looks that the Lions use? Are they, you know, primarily a single high team or or Mm -hmm. take me through it?
3: Yeah. So the plan, I think coming into the season was, um, playing a lot of the split safety looks because a lot of the Lions defensive coaching staff have uh, either Saints or Rams roots in them. So you have Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator, uh, who was the defensive backs coach last year for the Saints. Uh, and then under him are some guys that uh, he kind of knew from the Rams who ran a lot of split safety looks last year also. So that that's what the plan was. But right now they're playing a lot more um, cover three been expected and it's 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 been a little bit interesting to see how they've adjusted their scheme based on what quarterback they were playing so against Jimmy Garoppolo they were playing a lot of cover 3 um they wanted you know based because of the 49ers run game they wanted an extra guy down there uh in a in a 344 four type of thing um against Aaron Rodgers uh they they played a more of a um you know more of a 425 where mm-hmm. they, they wanted only six men in the box and some split safety looks um, and stuff like that. But, you know, against the Ravens, you can't, you can't play six men in the box or
2: you're going to get run over uh, pretty much all day. So I want to go back to the 4 a little bit. Is that, are you talking about passing down specifically there, uh, where they're a committed nickel team in a 4 or you You may not mean that because our definitions may be different. You may mean a Dimeback is in as one of those two, but they have four down linemen, you know, your, your your Mike linebacker who may or may not have the green dot. I don't know what the situation is in Detroit. And then a dime back.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's – so it wasn't just passing situations only. Like that was one of the complaints coming out on Monday night was, oh, since they only had uh, six men in the box, they, the Packers were running pretty easily and just getting like four or five-yard carries. So, so then the um, – you know, they then the line switched it, went back to single high, and then Aaron Rodgers took over. So it's it, you know it's really hard to to play defense in the NFL and scheme stuff up. Um, so I yeah I definitely think they'll they'll play single high against the the Ravens so that they can they can stop the run game first.
2: Okay. All right. Uh... Let's move on. Uh, I want to spend some time talking about rotation, depth and snap management and in particular on the defensive line, because that's where the Ravens have gotten a lot of other teams into trouble mm-hmm. is that they're not re- they don't really have a lot of depth on that line and they have to play a lot of snaps and they're high effort snaps. Uh, you know, either trying to stop the run or having to rush the pass or either one. I guess that's pretty much all snaps when I describe them that way. But uh, it does really seem like they do a good job of physically leaning on other teams who are a little bit thin there and don't Mm -hmm. spread their snaps. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. The um, Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's still early in the season. So I, I think they're still trying to figure out exactly what they want to do with the defensive line, because there are some good resources there, like Trey Flowers has been, the better defensive lineman for the last couple of years for the Lions. So he's, he plays on the edge and he's basically been playing, um, almost every snap after coming back from an injury that, that made him miss half of last season. So that's been good to see. Uh, and then on the other side, opposite him has been, um, uh, Romeo Okwara, who, who has played, uh, at just as many snaps as Trey Flowers, and um, you know he he bro- kind of broke out last year with a lot of sacks, but the um, I didn't know if it was super sustainable because of the pressures. You know, like one of the one of the things the Ravens like to do is they pay people for pressures, knowing that the sacks will come later. Like that's what a smart organization does. Aguara was paid more for sacks, um, so it, it'll be he hasn't played well so far this year, so it'll be interesting to see how he does against the Ravens offensive line.
2: Yeah, your, your old boss came on the show recently. You may have even listened to him to talk through mm-hmm. this, but Eric, Eric did a great discussion of exactly that about how mm-hmm. the, how the, the Ravens are one of the organizations who got out of ahead of it in terms of pricing the pressure rate appropriately mm-hmm. for the player they had. And, and uh, he thought the Bowser signing was a good one. Yeah, uh, on, mm-hmm. I love the Bowser signing for coverage, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. Um, So one player I'm noticing is Michael Brockers, who the Ravens are interested in a couple of years ago. Mm It didn't work out for workout reasons, as as it was reported, Mm -hmm. has played 91 out of 120 snaps, Mm -hmm. which is extremely high. That's over 75 percent, obviously. The question I guess I have for you is, uh, is that something you expect to be sustainable for an entire season or something that they would even use against the Ravens in particular?
3: Mm hmm. Yeah, I, think, I do think Brockers will play the majority of the snaps. That's someone that uh, Lions general manager Brad Holmes drafted when he was in L.A., um, and then he traded a, a seventh-round pick for him this offseason um, to kind of take on his contract, too. Uh, so, yeah, he's definitely someone that, that will be on the field a lot, um, especially if they play those split safety looks because Brockers was so good last year with the Rams playing the gap in the half that they installed on the uh, defensive line. So, you know, plug Explain that, explain mm-hmm. that. I, I, I yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So plug plug like your gap in the running game, but also make sure you have the, the half of the gap that uh, someone else will be, you know, taking the other half to, uh, to cover. So you don't get gashed in the running game when you're playing these light boxes.
2: Okay. Very interesting. Very interesting. So it's it's not a two gap responsibility mm-hmm. where you're, where you don't have the ability to penetrate, but you have to control that other gap by by pushing a player in that direction. Or is it, what does it entail in terms of a in terms of a difference in play style to play a gap and a half? I'm guessing because I haven't heard that terminology before. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, it's, it's yeah, I think it's very new, and I'm still kind of learning. Uh, you know, like the, the exact terminology about it. But yeah, it's, it, you can you can't like fully penetrate, but you want to make sure you have. The gap that you're assigned to covered for sure, but then you know, like a backside gap or the the half of the gap over, also should be shielded and looked out for if they're trying to run up that uh, that direction.
2: Okay, all right, very cool. Uh, let's move on. Let's uh, talk about the defensive line one player at a time and go through it. And and you know, who's likely if you want to include the edge in this, this is fine. And uh, I think one of the questions we have for starters is that uh, the Lions are four three or three fourteen. Four three. Four three. Okay, so this is, I believe, three straight now. Four three teams the Ravens have faced. Mm-hmm. So, They're getting pretty used to this. I didn't realize it had become more dominant again in the NFL. But looking ahead, they've got the they've got the Steelers in division and the and Cleveland in division who are predominantly four three teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Take us through the players.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Michael Brock is like we talked about earlier. Then Nick Williams is. Um, He's 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 not like a great defensive lineman, not not a great interior defensive lineman, but he's a good tackler. Like if he if he does, you know, um, get his hands on a running back, he'll he'll always almost always bring them down, even like with just like one arm if he doesn't have full control and stuff like that. So that's definitely his um, specialty. And then yeah, and then Ali McNeil, who has played about like fifty snaps so far, uh, kind of under him there is. Is uh, someone who also is again like a big body can can tackle well um, and stuff like that.
2: Okay, so it's really just those three. Uh, uh, Peneceini has played a few snaps as well. I see.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Peneceini's. You know, he he's again. He's like a he's a bigger body, but he didn't have a good last season. So I think they're trying to filter him out.
2: Okay. All right. Fair enough. And I didn't miss anyone, did I? Mm-hmm. That's how, how all. about yeah. How about Kevin Strong? That name is new to me.
3: Yeah, uh, Kevin Strong is again um, like he's 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 not kind of the opposite of what we talked about earlier. Not a good tackler, um, but he's he's had flashes. But I don't think he's going to be like a long term starter in this league or anything.
2: So do the and this is really important when you come into a game against the Ravens is are they a team that has five interior guys they can choose from or four? Since they're a four-three team and more and and may only have two on the field for a lot of plays.
3: Yeah, I think they're going to only have two on the field for for a lot of plays.
2: Um, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I I didn't ask that question correctly. Um, does that mean they're going to activate four or activate five more likely?
3: Oh, they'll probably activate five. I think okay. um, between the five that we talked about. Yeah.
2: OK, so that's certainly a lot. five to make two gives you a lot of rotational ability. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and that might be something that, uh, that the Ravens can't count on winning snap count, really giving them an advantage. And owner Zerke, I mean, he's an interior player as well. He would be likely active or likely not against the Ravens.
3: Yeah, he'll he'll he'll, he'll likely be active. Um, oh, so I guess they'll they'll take six with them. And uh, and then, yeah, and then because they play their their edge rushers so much between Bar and Flowers, I think. So, yeah, yeah.
2: All right. All right. Fair enough. Uh, let's go to the linebacker crew in terms of uh, how they're used. And one of the things I'm always interested in hearing is when they go to passing downs, do they, do they take a linebacker off the field or is the team fairly committed to playing two linebackers on most snaps?
3: Yeah, I, the you know, a lot of talk in training camp was, was talking about in these passing downs, playing like more three safeties and removing a linebacker. But we haven't really seen that so far. Um, I don't know. I don't know why they haven't done it. I don't know like what changed, or maybe it's just the offenses they played. So we'll see if they get to that eventually because
2: the linebackers aren't good right now. Okay, so Jamie Collins is on the team. Obviously, a guy who spent a lot of times in the AFC with New England and with Cleveland. Uh, he's not having an okay year.
3: Yeah, I mean it's you know he's he's starting to get a little bit older, but he just looks like he's slow. Whenever he's covering anyone, uh, he got matched up on Aaron Jones a couple times in that green Bay game. And it was really, really bad. Uh, just, just Aaron Jones running right by him, you know, catching a pass and then, you know, sprinting by him even further down the field.
2: You want to feel old? Uh, Jamie Collins is almost 32 years old. It'll be 32 yeah. in November. I'm, I'm shocked by that.
3: Mm-hmm. It's crazy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's te- time flies. You, you gotta make it work. yeah. Um, All right, so uh, so, and then at the other inside linebacker position, or I'll say off-ball linebacker in the four-three, we'll call it. um, It's really a lot of uh, Alex Anzalone.
3: Yeah, Alex Anzalone is from the Saints. Um, He was part of the the linebackers that they, or the players that they couldn't keep uh, because of their contract uh, or cap situation this season. Um, I think he's been really really bad in coverage like I've been I've been pretty disappointed with his uh, play so far and again he was he was another one of those uh, players in the Green Bay game that got kind of matched up on uh, Aaron Jones or another one of Green Bay's uh, weapons and and just kept getting burned in coverage
2: so uh, linebacker core is definitely the weakness of the defense for sure all right. The Ravens have not gotten their play-action game going so far this year um, in terms of any any kind of, well, really any sort of play-action. And it was the secret sauce for the 2019 team. and They did it not as well in 2020. Um, is this a team that they might have some opportunity against in terms of, of a group that will take extra read steps and, and kind of leave themselves in a bad position?
3: I definitely think so, yeah. Yeah. Uh- it's it's definitely a team where if you haven't been able to take advantage of linebackers so far, like if you haven't got your tight end going because of that or your receiving back, they can get going against this this line's defense because of those linebackers.
2: All right. All right. Fair enough. Um, great stuff. Let's move on to the secondary here then. And I, and there's nothing else about another outside linebacker or whatever you want to talk about. You've already talked about them as edges.
3: So... One of the interesting things that I think might happen in this game is Derek Barnes, one of the linebackers, uh, draft picks from Purdue. He is supposedly great against the run, and he's really quick. Like, he's a lot faster than Anzalone and um, Collins are. So I'm wondering if they start to play him a lot more, because he was a day three pick that they haven't played but looked good in the preseason. So to stop the Ravens' run game, he might be the the only hope uh, or something like that.
2: Interesting. You 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 present a very much there's no chance for the for the for the Lions in this game and I'm I'm see the Ravens going on the road as an eight point favorite or thereabouts maybe it's seven and a half a lot of places eight other places and I'm scared to death of that line I mean I just I, I look at that and say well yeah that. That seems like way too much on the road yeah. against anybody, right, for this Ravens team as currently constituted. They haven't stopped anybody on defense, and, and frankly, their offensive line is in shambles, mm-hmm. um, and they're, they're, they're really having to try and correct it on the fly. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's talk about the secondary here and, and uh, who's still standing. Uh, as yeah, This is something that happens every year. The replacement level in the secondary is a moving target. Mm-hmm. It, it drops – Precipitously in the secondary, drop some at defensive line and inside linebacker, but those at, deep, at inside linebacker in particular, it's an easy size and shape category that there are more players available. At cornerback, boy, this year it just seems like there's a big fall off, and the Ravens, who seem to be really stocked, and for example, are already having trouble, and the Lions, of course, having their trouble too.
3: Yep. Yeah, it definitely seems like this is one of the years in the NFL where the secondaries aren't as good or there's just you know, there's not as many good secondaries. So hopefully with the, the college talent pool coming in we're gonna get some better corners and stuff like that because yeah, like like you said, it, it doesn't seem like it's as it's as high level
2: as usual. Do do you think that the twenty twenty one draft in particular with all of the small school prospects really not getting a chance to play or not much, only a few small school draft picks taken and all of the uh, or or a number of players either opting out and maybe wanting to wait and play another season or realizing that this year was just not scouted the same way, wanted to defer and play Mm -hmm. another year in college. Do you think we'll have like a season and a third, say, of prospects in the 2022 draft?
3: That's what I'm thinking right now, too. Yeah, that's that, I definitely could see that happening. I definitely think that, the you know, the uh, secondary talent pool in the NFL needs
2: that to happen. Right. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, right now, the Ravens with all the running back injuries are feeling the heat of just how how lousy the the backup running backs are in this league. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they sign, you know, Freeman, Bell and Murray tells you that's so anti-Ravens in terms of you know they would you typically want to get the best first year running back you like most in somebody else's practice squad that's you know they do with Collins and a whole bunch of other players mm-hmm. they brought in here like and they just there wasn't anybody available that met that description
3: mm-hmm.
2: yeah Okay. crazy <laughs> All right. Let's go through the, the remaining players of the secondary for the for the Lions. I'm sorry to hold you up there.
3: Yeah, no, totally fine. Uh, so, Amani O'Wari is the the he's he's going to be the future cornerback um, number two if Akuda can develop into quarterback number one. So he's he's really good when he's on a you know a second wide receiver. Um, I, so I assume he, but you know he has to play corner one for this game. So I assume he'll be on uh, Brown for for a lot of it. Um, and you know, he's, he's has ups and downs. He was, he was only, uh, targeted once in the, in the first half against green Bay. He's doing a good job there. Um, they kind of changed up their scheme in the second half and then he got targeted a couple more times, but I do like what I see out of him. Uh, and then, but
2: the the rest of the, the secondary
3: isn't up to his level. All
2: right. I mean, go take us through the players here. You don't need to get me to, to pride you on these. So Akuda obviously is, is lost. Uh, Bobby price got some snaps.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Bobby Price, uh, you know, filled in when Melifanu, um, uh, who, who was the Lions' fourth round pick this year, he's a very tall, uh, a corner like, hybrid safety type player. Um, so he got
2: injured in the Green Bay game, then Bobby Price came in. Yeah, if, if memory serves, Mel Fano, uh, the Syracuse guy, from, mm-hmm. For that's where I went to school. But uh, that, sec, that Syracuse secondary last year was quite good. And uh, Mel Fano, it was an interesting prospect that, I, that I, I kind of thought I liked with Trill Williams as well. Uh, either one of those two to be taken by the Ravens. They didn't obviously get either of them. But uh, OK, very good. So Mel Fano, what have you seen so far from him?
3: Yeah, I thought he was he was
2: great against uh Green Bay until,
3: you know, he, he got injured on, on like a I think it was like a forty five yard pass play to Devontae Adams where um I think it was like his hamstring or something kinda kinda blew out as he was running with him. Um so, so yeah, Bobby Price will will uh replace him. And then the the real area to attack in the line secondary are the the two safeties, um, you know, court, kind of up at the top more is Tracy Walker and Will Harris. Uh, Walker was really good in 2019 and like, it was very exciting to see him progress like that. Um, took a huge step back in 2020. And then uh, kind of a similar story with Will Harris where he, he showed some flashes, but He's, again, he's another slow defensive player that can't keep up with speed. So I can definitely see Hollywood Brown running past him at some point
2: uh, on Sunday. Interesting. Okay. And he's he's more of a single high guy at this point? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. All right. Very cool. All right. Well, it certainly gives us a, quite a bit of insight into who the Detroit Lions are. and really appreciate that. The Ravens don't play the Lions very often. And our mm-hmm. fans, whenever it's an NFC team in particular, I believe these – these things are extremely useful. We love them for the AFC teams too, even in the divisional games where we, we're fairly familiar with the personnel. But when we really have no idea, like with the Lions, I think it's great to, to get a rundown from a guy like you, Tage. Is, is there a player you think matches up exceptionally well against the Ravens?
3: Yeah, I think I think you know their their best shot of keeping the game close is to feed TJ Hawkinson, um, especially with what we just saw with Kelsey um, last week. Is is if Hawkinson gets hot. And, you know, he's he's making good catches and he's getting yak as he usually does. The Lions can can put up some points.
2: All right. Uh, let's let's talk about where folks can find your work. What's your Twitter handle for starters? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, my Twitter handle is at
2: uh Analytics. So Tage F.B. Analytics, if you want to follow me there. All right. Ter- terrific. Other plugs you want to make? I mean, uh, work you've done on PFF, new charts, new projects you're working on, anything you're doing at school that's kind of cool for, with football related?
3: Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you can find a lot of my stuff at Pro Football Focus uh, or PFF.com. Um, you just go over to PFF.com, type in my name to the search bar. Some of my articles will pop up. Um, I think the, the one that Ravens fans will probably be, most interested in is kind of covered scheme uniqueness score since the Ravens are, you know, have a little bit of
2: more unique uh, covered scheme compared to the rest of the NFL. Highly recommend that piece. Uh, Got some great, Definitional information there, but, you know, cover, learn what cover three slot is, for example. But great definitional information, but also really underscore some of the differences from the Ravens and other teams that, that, that you'll like. Uh, you did that war adjusted injuries loss piece for us. Really appreciated that. That's still out on the site. If you go to the video section and you can see Tej, um going through his new metric of. Uh, adjudicating the amount of war lost to injuries, and it's a complex calculation, difficult thing to do, but it'll tell you exactly what we knew, that the 2015 Ravens got absolutely screwed by that. All right. Uh, Tate, thanks so much for joining us. This is a great pleasure always to have you on. We hope we can do it again in the future, but I appreciate you making time.
3: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Would definitely
2: love to come back in, in the future. All right. Thanks again, Tej. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study.